Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, if you're, uh, if you're new and you're wondering, what was that that I just saw? Uh, we have, our, for the summer, we had a series called There's No Place Like Home, and you notice the uh, clever North logo that was placed in there. And uh, we invited folks from North to wherever they went uh, in the world, around the country, to take the sign with them, to take a family picture, a picture of themselves, hold it up, and we would collect those through the summer. So you got to see most of them, I think. And uh, we appreciate you guys doing that. It was a really fun way to stay connected uh, through the summer. So we're finishing all that up uh, this morning. And I want to talk a little bit on our kickoff about... uh, uh, about North, but before we do, I'd like to just take a second, if you will, and, and I'd like to pray for uh, folks in Texas and Houston, Corpus Christi, and places that are just getting hammered uh, with uh, flood and, and devastation, and simply ask the Lord to be with them from this family uh, to their family. So would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, uh, we do lift up folks in Texas Uh, and Houston and Corpus Christi and uh, places that are affected, Lord, by this flood for small rural communities uh, that are being washed away and flooded, Lord. Uh, We ask that you would intervene. We ask that you would protect people. We ask, Lord, that you would be with them. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are uh, serving, folks who are in rescue, uh, folks who are bringing electricity back, all of the people that are involved in in caring for those who are affected by the floods. We ask that you would protect them and keep them and give them strength, Lord. Uh, Help us to be faithful to pray for them. And Lord, now as we prepare for this part of our worship, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, about uh, 2003, uh, the Scottsdale Bible decided they wanted to have another campus, and so they, uh, they, they started this campus, um, and uh, originally it was called North Point, and invited all these folks to be part of it, kind of had a few bumps, a few little hookups, and uh, um, Jen and I were living in the Los Angeles area. Uh, we had announced that we were making a transition, we're gonna move, and I got a call one day from a buddy of mine who was an elder there, and he said, uh, Larry, don't say no, just listen. That's how he opened the conversation. He said, would you come back and help us? We've got this campus, we're not sure what to do. Would you help us figure this out? So I said, you know, Jen and I prayed. We thought, well, you know, let's be a couple of year deal. Let's go see if we can figure out. We know a lot of these people, they're friends of ours. So we, we, left. we came to Phoenix and, and uh, six months into helping figure that out, they asked me to be the co-executive pastor. So I stepped into that role to help out a little bit. Uh, there, and then before I knew it, I was the interim senior pastor for both campuses. Uh, it was a little bit of a busy time. Give you an example, on a, on a Sunday morning, if I was speaking or preaching, then uh, Jenna would have the car running, and uh, I would do the early service at Scottsdale Bible. She'd have, I would jump in the car, she would drive me here, I would preach here, and I would drive back to Scottsdale Bible, preach at that service, come back here, do our second service, so that would be, uh, I would have those, there were two and then three, and then two more in the evening. So about seven on a Sunday, uh, and we did that for two years, and got that transition done, and got everybody settled, and helped to spend some extra time kind of helping 
the new guys that came in get settled. They're still great friends of mine, great relationships, really important time for us. All of that took about five years, and then uh, we came back here, and this was the place that God had put in our hearts for Jenna and me. We loved it, love you guys, and uh, we decided let's plant north, and let's plant this north. It was North Point, uh, North Campus, Scottsdale Bible North. We planted it and called it North Bible Church, and that's who we are today. We actually um, started that process late in 2008, and in uh, spring of 2009, we uh, submitted all of our paperwork to the state of Arizona and the Corporation Commission and uh, became an official standalone church in uh, the spring of 2009 and have been going uh, ever since. And so that's a little bit of a, a history. It was, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It was slightly more exhausting than it sounds. But um, God really used all of that. And in the middle of that process, we started talking about what do we want North to look like? Uh, who do we want to be in this process that we have an opportunity to kind of create the culture, to sort of establish uh, who we're going to be and how we're going to operate. And so we came up with this little phrase, and it's on the screen, that we wanted to love God, to love one another, and love the world. That that was going to be the thing that would mark North Bible Church, that we would be people who loved God first, who loved one another, and then went out to love the world, and that we wanted everything that we did to be marked marked by those three things. So if, if we thought of a great idea or a really good program, we would ask ourselves, how does this help people to love God more? How does this help us to love one another more? How does this help us? How does this take us to love the world uh, more? And we wanted to make sure that everything that we did sort of fit that criteria, that we would be consistent in what we were about. And so we have continued to try to do that now since the, um, the spring of 2009 to figure out how in fact, we have, a, we have a little vision statement that says that our vision is, to, uh, is that we're a Christ-centered community equipping every generation to love God, to love one another, love the world, that that's who we want to be. So I want to take a few minutes this morning and, and, and sort of once again remind us of what that feels like, what that looks like, um, how we're attempting to live out what it means to love God, love one another, and love the world. And, and I want to begin uh, with this idea of loving God. Now, we, we talk about love God, and we know that it's important. We're not quite sure always how to do it. Sometimes we don't feel that love. We're not quite sure, okay, how, how do I do that? And, and we know that there's a, there's a passage in the scripture, and it's in through the Gospels, and, and particularly in Mark, the 12th chapter, uh, a, a Pharisee, a lawyer, uh, came to Jesus one day, and he said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, uh, it's this, the greatest commandment is this, that you'd love the Lord your God with all of your heart, uh, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. He said, but there's a second one that's just like it. There's a second one that's just as important. And for the first time in history, Jesus took two passages from the Old Testament and he brought them together and made them one. And he said, here's the other one. It's from Leviticus 19. He said that, that you want, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. It brought up, you know, of course, the, the question, who's my neighbor? Because we all want an out, right? We all want an excuse not to do this because we really, at the end of the day, we just want to like the people we like, right? We, we want to love the people that are easy to love, that we have a connection with. And, and here is Jesus telling us something totally different. He, he's saying, here's what it looks like to love God with everything you have, 
to love God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. He's saying you can't leave anything out. If you're gonna really love God, you have to be all in. That your life has to revolve around this idea of what does it mean to love God and then what does it mean to love my neighbor? And so Jesus is saying if you really love me, here's what you'll do. You'll love others. That's part of the deal. Well, for a second, I wanna talk about what it means to love God because that's, that's hard for us. You know, it's, we come and we, we, we come, you know, maybe two, three, whatever times a month to church and, and uh, we sing and we give a little money or we do something. Maybe we show up for something else and, and we, we're, we're involved in church. But if we really were to say, how do you, do you love God? Well, well, yeah, of course I do. I go to church, you know. Well, do you, do you love God? Well, you know, of course I do. I mean, you know, I, I try to give to people in mission fields and I try to do things for people and, and, and you know, and I try to be involved in that sort of thing. But, but do you really love God? And if we really dug deep, sometimes we would have to say, I don't really know. I don't know, I don't feel like I, I love that much. I, I don't know what that really looks like in a way. I, I think I do, but, but what, what does it really look like to, to love God? And that's why the, we, we kind of lean on one little verse and in 1 John 4, 19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. So what does it mean to love God? Here's where it starts. We love because he first loved us. Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God showed his great love and compassion for us. That before we deserved it, before we knew anything about it, before we were even born, that God loved us so much that he sent his son to give his life as a ransom for us, that all of this happened because God loves us, and now he says, now that's why you love. Paul, the great apostle Paul, uh, put it a little bit differently, but in Ephesians 3, I'm just gonna read to you three, uh, chapter three in Ephesians verses 14 to 19. The apostle Paul says this, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, let me tell you what I pray for. Not only do I pray for it, but I bow, I get low before God, I plead with God, I humble myself before God. And, and I pray that you who are the family of God, and, and basically what he means is that, if we, that we share the same father, that we share uh, God the father uh, as our father, and because of that, we're a family. Because of that, we belong to each other. And so he says, I bow my knees before the Father, that I lower myself before the God of the universe from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your sight. And he said, you know what? It's not us to manufacture this, 
but it's because of his power and his glory that we want to tap into. I am praying that you'll begin to tap in to the riches and the glory of the creator of the universe, the Father, the God who loves us, the God who sent his son to die for us. That's what I'm praying for, that you through this could be strengthened through power in his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So here's one of the goals, he says, is that that for those who believe, for those who follow Jesus, he says that Jesus will come by faith and in the riches and the power of God, he will set up a permanent residence in our hearts, in our lives, that Christ comes in and he lives in us through his spirit. That all of the stuff that we experience, all the stuff that we have, that we have, he says, through his power and his riches, I want to set up a permanent place in your life. I want to live in you. I want the resurrected power of Jesus Christ living in you. That's what he promises. Paul is reminding us of that as he prays, and he says that through that, that that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Now take, take a second and think of this idea of being rooted and grounded. We know what plants are like, and we've all seen pictures of plants that the roots go deep into the ground, and, and that's where they get their nourishment, that's where they get their strength, uh, that's how they grow, and it's through those roots going deep that when the sun comes out and it gets hot and things get a little bit tough, that those roots are deep and, and the plant stays safe, the plant stays healthy. Uh, when winds come and rains come, the plant can stay uh, firm and stay in the ground because its roots are deep. The other idea of being grounded is more of a construction term. It's that Christ, Jesus Christ, is our cornerstone and our building our lives are built around that cornerstone and so when the winds blow and times get crazy and things get really hard we stand firm because it's built on the cornerstone that's Jesus Christ and Paul is saying that we might be rooted deeply rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus that that would be the thing that sustains us Paul that's what Paul is praying for us and then he says this He said, rooted and grounded in love, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul's saying, here's what I'm praying for. And when Christ comes to dwell in your life, that, that when your roots go deep, when you experience him, that you will come to comprehend the height and the depth and the length and the width of the love of Jesus in your life. Can you imagine that? That we would just begin to scratch the surface of the incredible, magnificent love of Jesus, the height, the depth, the length, the width of the love of Christ, that we would be rooted in that love, that God loves us so much, he loves us more than we can imagine, and Paul is praying, look, that surpasses knowledge that you can know a lot about things, you can know a lot about the Bible, you can know a lot about church, you can know a lot about all kinds of things, but what really matters in your life, the thing that begins uh, everything, is are we rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus? Are we growing in the understanding, the comprehension of how incredibly loved we are by the God who created us, by the God who sent his son. Do you understand that we can begin to comprehend that kind of love? That's how much we're loved by God. And he says, when, you, when we get that, 
That's when we start to experience the fullness of God. That's when we start to realize that we're being filled with all of the fullness of God, that we're comprehending how incredibly deep and high and long and wide is his love. And we know how loved we are by him. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel that, but it's true. You see, we're not, we don't live our lives. If, we, if you're living your life this morning on, based on how you feel, you're already a mess. You're already in trouble. We don't live our lives based on how we feel. We live our lives based on what we know to be true. And what we know to be true this morning is that God loved each one of us so desperately, so extravagantly that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for a bunch of people who were in rebellion and who were in sin. And he said, I'm gonna send him. You don't deserve it. You haven't done anything for this, but I love you. I'm sending my son, Jesus. He's gonna die for those sins. He's gonna be raised again. And you have an opportunity to have eternal life through him. That's how loved you are. And you know, we live in a culture that, that is so desperately looking for love uh, that we're looking for all kinds of things. We're looking for identity. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for all of these things in our lives. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you'll understand where it all starts. Where's the foundation? It all begins with knowing how deeply loved you are by God. That your identity and your acceptance and your wholeness is rooted in how deeply and completely you're loved by God. And somehow if we can begin to comprehend that, then everything else in our lives begins to flow out of how loved we are, how loved we are by the Father. You know, I have nine grandkids now as of last week. Thank you very much. We, yeah, we had Eden Marie last week. And I, I just have a couple goals. One is to be their favorite grandpa. But the, the other goal is just simply this, that they would know how loved they are. That they would know that, they would know without a doubt, there would never be a second in their minds that they wouldn't know how much their grandpa loved them. I'm gonna let mom and dad discipline them, mostly, for the most part. I'm gonna let them do, you know, they're gonna do all the heavy lifting, but I want them to know how loved they are. I want to know, I want them to know how, how excited I am every time I see them. I, I want them to know how precious they are to me. It's just unbelievable. It's amazing to begin to get that. And what I'm trying hard to communicate to us is that's how your father feels about you. That's how God feels about you this morning. And when we begin to comprehend that, all kinds of things happen in our lives. When we begin to comprehend that, we say, okay, Lord, what is that? How can I take that love that I've experienced in you? How can I live that out in my life? And so that takes us to the, the second part, that we love God because we were first loved. And now we love each other. Love your neighbors yourself. Here's what Jesus said that made it really complicated. And, and this is where I lean on my gift of repetition, you know, again. In John 13, 34 and 35, uh, Jesus said this, uh, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you love one another. And by this, all people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, think about this for just a second, all right? Because <clears throat> we can come to church and we can say love one another and everybody does high fives. And yeah, yeah, well, let's sing about it and we do all that stuff. I mean, and then Jesus throws in this little caveat. This is what it looks like. 
I want you to love one another as I've loved you. Oh, man. Okay, I mean, I was doing so good because I know I can come on Sunday mornings and pretty much do the whole love thing, right? Shake hands, kiss babies, walk around, talk to people, but to love people the way Jesus loves them means I've got to be willing to die. I've got to be willing to give of myself. I've got to be willing to sacrifice for people because Jesus gave everything for me and now he has set the bar so incredibly high. I don't, I don't even know how to reach it. And what it tells me is that I need the strength and the power of Christ. I need to live out of how much God loves me and then I need other people around me to help me because I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna tip that bar without the power of Christ in my life and without other people helping without other people around me. But that's the command, a new command I give you that you love one another. And then Jesus has the audacity to say that by this all people will know you're my disciples. I, you know what, I thought when I was a kid it was Bible trivia that that's how all people would know I was Jesus' disciple. If I knew more verses than they did, if I went to church more often than they did, I just did kind things sometimes. I don't know what it was. I thought it was something that I could do. And here's what Jesus says. It's how you love one another. The world is looking at that and saying, I want to see authentic love. I get answers. I get arguments. I get all the platitudes. I get all of that. But do you love, do you love one another as I've loved you? And he says, I want you to go live that out. I want you to care about that. So we try to build things around, uh, you know, like, those, that, like that in, in, in North. And, and so, you know, um, we've had 16 babies born this year so far in the church. Isn't that awesome? I love that, babies. Way to go, babies. That's our church growth strategy. Be fruitful and multiply. And, uh, uh, and so we, we, we just take, keep going. They're awesome. Um, but, uh, but if you've had a child recently, you, you know what it means to love one another because people kept showing up at your house with food, you know, and, and people showed up with diapers and, and people started, you know, checking in and caring about you. And then they had a play day for moms with little kids when it's, you know, a gazillion degrees outside. We'll come and, and we're gonna set up a place where you can play and have snacks and, and we're gonna help watch your kids and all of those kinds of things because we're trying to figure out, uh, we're loved so much by Christ, we're trying to figure out how to live that out uh, with each other and how to love one another. And so let's figure out what the needs are and then let's try to meet those with each other. How about that? Well, then we love God and then we love one another. And then Jesus said, now I want you to love the world. I want you to go into the world and make disciples. And here's what he said about it. In, in Acts 1.8, he said, now when the Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses. When you're, when you're empowered by the Spirit, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what, here's what Jesus said to his disciples, that you're gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm gonna dwell in you. And then I want you to be my witness first where you are, in your house, in your neighborhood, in your town, just right where you live. Start wherever you are and go from there. Because then, you know, that witness opportunity is gonna grow to the areas around you. And then you might find yourself in Samaria, in a place that you never thought you'd be, a place that you never thought you'd go. In fact, a place that you'd go out of your way not to go to. 
that, that God has this great sense of humor and he says, if you really wanna follow me, let's see where we go. You might find yourself in a place that you don't wanna be or you wouldn't have wanted to be, but now you go in the name of Jesus, you go in the love of Christ and you bring Jesus to that place and then he said, the ends of the world, wherever there are people, wherever there are people in need, we wanna go there. So we wanna start where we are and then allow God to take us from there. And so we, we try to live that out also in as, in as many ways as, as we possibly can, what it means to love the world. I read this great uh, article by Francis Chan. He's a pastor and an author. And he was talking about this trip he made to China. And uh, he kept hearing about this incredible church in this rural community uh, in China, and, and so he said, can we visit that? And his guides took him, and, and it was just this little community with um, 70 families in the whole village. And I thought, wow, these guys are, fam- I, don't eat, I don't see a great church building or anything. I don't see anything. It's just, okay, here we are. And, and here's what he found out when he got there, is that these 70 families were trying to figure out what it means to love the world like Christ. And they found out that in the larger cities in China that that if you had a child with a disability, that that child was you know, done away with, left alone, sent to an asylum or someplace, and ignored. Uh, and they thought, why don't we take those children in the name of Jesus? So they started adopting, this little village, 70 families started adopting babies who all had special needs and bringing them into their community. And virtually everybody in that village was a follower of Jesus. And they started, people started to hear about what was going on and they started talking about this village and people started to come to visit because uh, how are they doing this? And, and you'd see people, you walk into the village and Francis, you see people carrying these little kids all with these all kinds of special needs and they were just loving them and giving them life and caring for them. And at the time that he was there, they had already adopted 126 children living in this little village, coming in the name of Jesus saying, you're in the family you belong to us, we're gonna love you. But it doesn't happen, we don't manufacture, we don't make it up, we do it because we've experienced the love of Jesus in our lives, the incredible depth of what it means to be loved by God, and then we take that love that we know is true in our lives and we begin to live that out in our relationships and we begin to live that out with anybody that we find is in need because that's who God is. That's what God wants us to understand how do you live that out in the world? You know, we often talk about the church in the book of Acts, but here's what we know for sure, that when they encountered the risen Jesus, everything changed. They loved Jesus, they loved one another, they loved the world, and the culture around them was overwhelmed by the example uh, that they gave, that many who didn't know what to make of these people, uh, they, they just sort of looked on in awe, but there were many, many other people. In fact, the growth, it was exploding because people were seeing how they lived and how they loved, and it said people were being added to the faith every day, not because, there was, not because they had a great blog, uh, not because their website was spectacular, uh, not because you know, they had podcasts, not because of anything that they were doing, but because of how they cared for one another and how they loved the people around them, that people were being added to the church every day. And it was because of the love of Christ that they had experienced, and now they were expressing in the area right around them, a love that is overwhelmed by what Christ did for them, what he's done for us, and then it's honed on how we love one another, and then it's a love that's sent out into the world. 
And it starts with you and me. It starts with us. It starts in our hearts. So the question this morning that we have to start with is, what do you believe? Do you believe how much God loves you? Do you really, do you, have you begun to comprehend that? Because that's, that's our prayer this morning, that we would begin to comprehend how deeply, extravagantly loved we are by the God who created us, the God who made us. Some of you are here this morning and everybody assumes you're doing great, but you're flirting with disaster. You're playing with fire, you're living on the edge, maybe you're doing a, a good job of keeping it a secret from others, but you know the truth and God knows the truth in your life and God is desperately, God is trying to get your attention. Your heart's slowly shriveling up and we know that who we are in Christ, we can't image manage forever. That sooner or later it catches up with us, sooner or later it, we're caught in it. And the question this morning is, what do we believe? Do you believe in the God who loves you? Do you believe God who gave everything for you? Do you believe that Christ wants to dwell in your hearts through faith in him? And can we begin there what it means to be truly loved and then how we love God and love one another and love others through that? There's another thread that runs through all of this and that's the thread of the gospel. The good news, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life is death because of our sin is resurrection and that he offers life to those who trust and believe in him. The good news, we're living, in a, we're living in a time where people desperately need good news, don't they? They need the good news of who Jesus is. They need the good news of how much they're loved by God. They need the good news of who they are really matters to God. That our relationship with him really matters to God. And everybody needs good news these days. We have the ultimate good news. It's good news that transforms everything in our lives. Jesus said, you know the gospel. You know, one of the things we talk about here sometimes is we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, right? I mean, we need to be reminded every day of how desperately we need Christ as our savior, that without him, we're lost, that, that we need the gospel in our lives. We need to be reminded of our need for him, and then we need to, to communicate the gospel through our deeds and through our words, not just what we say, but how we live our lives for Christ. One of my favorite quotes, I shared it with some friends Friday night, is this from Helen Keller. Uh, to the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Think about that for a second. To the world, you may only be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. That we can embrace one person, that we can care for one person, and allow God to speak through our lives with one person and watch him change them, and through that, change the world. I read this other great story <laughs> this week about a guy, a minister, he ministered in the inner city to gang kids and, you know, druggies and all kinds of people, and he took a leave from his ministry to go care for his father who was dying of cancer. And he moved home and he started taking care of his dad. And he developed this little ritual with his dad that every night he'd get a book and he'd say, okay, dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read to you till you fall asleep. And so he'd start reading a book and his dad would just stare at him with this big smile on his face and watch his son read. <laughs> so finally Bill said, uh, dad, you're, you're, you're missing the point here. I'm gonna read to you 
and you're supposed to close your eyes and go to sleep. That's kind of the goal here, because I'm tired. I've been taking care of you all day, so please, let's just do this. Would you, I'm going to read, and, and then you close your eyes, and you go to sleep, and then I'm going to go to bed, all right? And so let's try it again. So they keep reading, and he says, Dad, okay, Bill, and he closes his eyes, and a couple minutes, Bill's reading, and one eye pops open, and he's smiling at his son. <laughs> Dad, come on, that's not the deal. I'm going to read to you, and you close your eyes till you fall asleep. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, he's smiling at him, and he'd close his eyes again. Then a couple minutes later, the other eye'd pop open, and he'd be looking and smiling at his son. And they kind of did this every night and went through this whole routine, and this guy, Bill, said when his dad passed away, he realized that all he wanted in the world was to stare at his son. He couldn't take his eyes off his boy. But that's, that was life to him right then. He just couldn't take his eyes off his boy. He wanted to stare at him all the time. And the thing I want to make sure that we get this morning is that you have a father who can't take his eyes off you. You have a father that looks at you all the time. You have a father that never goes to sleep, that he never takes his eye off you because he loves you that much. And all he is saying is that I want you to receive that love and then I want you to go out and do that. I want you to live out that love to the people in your family, the people around you, and to the people in the world. That's what God calls us to do. That's the love of Christ living through us. That's what it means to love God, to love one another, and to love the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for the reminder of who we are and what we're to be about. Lord, that our, our heart's desire is to love you, to love one another, and love the world, but we know that we can't do that until we begin to comprehend how deeply and crazy your love is for us. So Lord, we thank you for that. We receive that this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts so that we might experience, so we might understand a little bit more, comprehend a little bit more of the height and the depth and the length and the width of your love for us, Lord, and that we might be filled to the fullness of Christ. And we thank you, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you this morning, all right? I'm going to ask you a favor. I'm going to ask you to get your Bible this week. And if you are here and you don't have a Bible, see me right after service. I will give you one. It would be my privilege. Uh, but uh, get your Bible this week and go to Ephesians chapter 3 and, and read actually verses 14 to 21. And make it a prayer that we bow our knees before the Father and we all have our name, that we're his family. And pray through those things that God offers us through Ephesians 3 and ask the Lord to begin to help you comprehend his love for you, the height and the depth and the length and the width of his love in your life. 
and commit yourself to living through that. Would you do that? Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless.